Hi, this is Dan from Oceanside. You must have run out of podcasts because you're currently listening to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us, episode 507 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today, as always, the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, do not forget the scholarly, Brittany Page. I am here. It's a whole lot of energy I just brought to the program. You really did. That's what I do. You always do, though. (laughs) We appreciate that about you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because you know, in real life, that's exactly how I talk. Hey, good to see you, everybody. Welcome to the house. Come on in. Can I get you a drink? I think that's exactly how you talk. Yeah, (laughs) we've had this discussion before. We've had this discussion before. Well, as you know, I like having conversations multiple times about the same thing. Yeah. Keeps me spry. Keeps me fresh. Uh Uh-huh. A new take. Yeah. On on how things work. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot going on this week, Brittany Page. Yeah, for sure. Jury duty again today. Okay. Apparently that's a year-long thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think people forget that, that that's the case for yeah. you, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You've talked about it, but it one full year. And I think it's up in September? I think September, yeah. Maybe. What's funny about it is there are people in the same conversation, I'll say... Like, oh, you want to do something on Wednesday? I said, oh, no, I've, I've got, I'm serving on jury duty mm-hmm. for a year, a federal grand jury. And they're like, oh, okay. And then I'll you know, somehow come back around. Oh, yeah, on the Wednesdays. No, I can't because of, oh, every week. Right. Well, it's how else would it be? Right. It's because it's so fucking unusual. Yeah. It's not be- a normal thing. I know you think it's normal for everybody to be on jury duty. I don't think that's normal <laughs> at all. No. I'm, I most certainly do not. In fact, I'm scared that I'm going to be called next on yeah. the federal grand jury. I'm afraid for that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I think you'd like it. No, I mean, I, I think it's I, a time suck and it's a bummer, um, but, it's, but there's a lot to learn there. Yeah, I think I would also like it. But what I'm saying is I don't know. I don't know how people can make that commitment. Like, it's strange because people have jobs and people have... You, a lot can't, of people, you can't take vacations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like all kinds of things. Well, they that, do try to work around your schedule because there are people who have bailed already. Mm-hmm. Like if your company doesn't only pays you through so many days or hours of jury duty per year, mm-hmm. there are people who got dismissed. Yeah. And then they call up an alternate. Okay. But I That's don't consider it. I don't have it like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, my boss is uh, he's a real he's a real fucking taskmaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, lucky for you. Yeah, I, I mean, my b- boss is a—he's an asshole. Mm, yeah, but he doesn't boss me around. <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> Not I enough. I have other bosses. Mm-hmm. Y- you're one of my bosses. No, I wouldn't call you an asshole though. You're—you're you're more of a very nice laid. Yeah, you're super classy laid for yeah. sure. But you're—you're yeah. you're, uh, encouraging. Okay. 
It's a very, very nice way to say. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, because like, I was going to make a joke about nagging, but that's not you at all. You're, mm-hmm. you're reminding, because I am mm-hmm. maybe the world's worst fucking procrastinator. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty bad. Um, I will say, though, that since I've started my job, my ability to manage everything and kind of track everything yeah. has really gone downhill a bit. I'm I'm kind of giving myself uh, leeway and giving myself an adjustment period to get used to it, but it, it has been quite stressful. Yeah, how long have you been there now, the new job? I think it's... Uh... Inside of 90 days, right? Yeah, yeah. So normally, because you're a super quick learner, very astute, very you're an autodidact, you're, you're self-taught, you, you figure shit out really quickly. You, you, normally, I think you would expect to be on autopilot already. Mm-hmm. And it's not the case. You're really having to be in there and present every moment of every day mm-hmm. to do uh, the job. Yeah, well, I'm going to be honest with you. Um Normally, I lie to you, but I'm oh, going to be okay. honest with you today. Thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, <laughs> Red letter day, everybody. Um, I don't think that any kind of therapy, I'm any job in therapy is one that you can be on autopilot. You mean even an acute psychiatric hospital? You can't just... Yeah, I'm saying anywhere. <laughs> you can't... Nowhere can you just yeah. be on autopilot if you're doing therapy. At least to do your job well. For sure. Yeah. I mean, they. you always see those shows where they make jokes about like the therapist falling asleep, you know, yeah, or like yeah, yeah. sneaking out to get a sandwich and then coming back in and the patient is continuing to talk, talk, talk. Yeah. That, that's a scene in, uh, in something about Mary. Yeah. Where the, the psychiatrist who's mm-hmm. actually the dad from six feet under. Yeah. He, he's leaving all the time or falling asleep or right. making jerk off hand motions yeah. while the guys, cause he's, <laughs> he's behind him and the, the patient can't see him. Yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm sure that there are, Obviously, um, people out there in the mental health field that are on autopilot. And that is really unfortunate because you really do have to, you know, always be aware of what's going on, what's being said, what the underlining meanings are. You have to constantly be aware of that stuff. But um, I think for me, it's also just juggling new responsibilities in a very stressful environment. And then um, that's what I mean by autopilot. Yeah, I don't mean that you're just checked out and fucking fuck these people. I mean that some of the duties and the task and the administrative work, uh-huh. you can, you know, there's moments where you kind of get used to that and you just, you do it quickly mm-hmm. and, you know, you're still in the midst of it, getting, learning it. Yeah. 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 Speaking of learning it, mm-hmm. you want to learn something from some uh, callers? I would love to. From some listener communication? We love our listener communication and frankly... We don't get enough of it. It has kind of, I wouldn't say tapered off. We still get emails and voicemails just about every episode. Yeah. But uh, I like it. Yeah, we could use some more. So just hint, hint, people. Yeah, wink, wink. If you've never called the show before, get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Like we said last episode, the number should be in your auto dial. Yeah. We should be in your your favorite menu. There's a little star there on the on the iPhone. Yeah, your favorites. Yeah, your favorites. Or that it should just be in there so you can say, uh, Siri, please call I Doubt It With Dollamore oh, Podcast. even better idea. Yeah. 657-464-7609. And then the other method by which you can contact the show is email and a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Just like... Marcus did. 
Hi, Jesse and Brittany. It's Marcus from North Carolina calling in. First, there was some flagrant defamation of my character with regard to my feelings about Bill Barr a few episodes ago. I won't be responding to those comments, but you'll be hearing from my lawyer. I am going to comment on the most recent episode in which you wanted to know how Trump supporters might react to seeing the video of Fox News hosts criticizing President Obama for things that Trump is way worse about. In my experience, you don't get the reaction you're hoping for. First, they dispute the facts. For example, that Trump plays way more golf than Obama. Then they'll move the goalposts or change the subject or play the what about game. It's never about substance. They have no desire to hold their own to the same standards as their opponents. It's my opinion that we have to treat these people as if they've been brainwashed into a cult. <laughs> their identities are wrapped up in a massive pile of untruths and it's really hard to get someone like that to acknowledge basic facts about the world, much less something complex and nuanced. I've been thinking of doing some research into deprogramming techniques for this exact reason. Brittany, given your background, if you have ideas of where to start or could have a guest on a bonus episode on that topic, I know I'd be interested. So thanks, you two. Brittany is, uh, well, you know the rest. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. So that is a, a great question for me, Marcus. Um, but I'm curious which background he's talking about. Is it the like brainwashing white supremacist background of my childhood, or is it like my my research background? Because both, I guess, could fit there. Yeah, yeah, right. You, we should be able to lean on both of those experiences. As uh, you, you lean on the one experience and use your expertise from your grad school. Yeah, from your graduate degree. Mm -hmm. Probably you guys could come up with something good. For sure. Um, I, I do want to give some information here, though, that will support uh, Marcus's perspective that Fox News viewers, it's its similar to being um, in a cult. I, I chuckled, and then I thought, why am I fucking laughing at that? That's 100 I really believe, I almost said 100%. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. You and the fucking 100%. Yeah. You brainwashed me is what's happened. <laughs> so um, Huffington Post and YouGov did this poll. And they found that 76% of Fox News viewers said that the Mueller report, quote, does not reveal anything damaging about Trump. <laughs> okay, 76%. 76%. And 83% say that it clears him of wrongdoing. Wow. You know what that's called, don't you? Well, no, wait. Also, <laughs> <There's more. laughs> Fox viewers are two times as likely to say they understand the report very well wow. than other cable viewers. I, I was making a joke about Dunning-Kruger, but that last thing, that that is. That's what that is. Well, that's why I told you to wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that your point would actually be good. Yeah. It's still good, Brittany. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah. How dare you? I, can you... So... And How it, dare you, sir? Delayed, but nonetheless justified. I mean, how many of these people... Okay. Read the report, do you think? How many of these people read 25% of the report? Let's just give them that because it's hundreds no, no, no. of pages. It's hundreds How of pages. How many so of them do you think read 25 pages of the report? I bet you it's fewer. It's less than 1%. That's what I believe. Mm -hmm. Do they have that number? Or are we just guessing? Yeah, we're just, we're guessing okay. because I, I don't think that they asked that. But even if they did, that's probably not something that they would accurately report that they, yeah. right? Especially if they're asking all these questions together, that would kind of 
bias people from they would want to give a high enough even lie they're self-reporting yeah. they can say whatever the fuck they yeah, want they're like i read 110 percent of that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but what's interesting is they also so it, it was based on where you got your information about the Mueller report right yeah, of course and so when i gave that figure of 76 percent of respondents who got the information about the Mueller report from Fox News say that it does not reveal anything damaging about Trump. That's very different from the 50% of CNN viewers and 83% of MSNBC view- viewers who say the report demonstrates that Trump is, quote, unfit to be president. Hmm. Okay. So you're seeing a drastic difference here in where people got their information and how they view the information in the Mueller report. I don't. I'm not an MSNBC watcher. In fact, I I can't tell you the last time I watched MSNBC unless somebody sent me a clip or something that I watched. I'm primarily CNN, but I'm not even going to rely upon those ding dongs to tell me what's going on. I went. Through, I didn't read 100 percent of the Mueller report, but I certainly read the preponderance of it. And I don't see any other way to view it. Obviously, I do have a, a bias here, but I don't know how someone says. That it's a full exoneration, or that it uh, that it, there's nothing new that was learned. There's all kinds of shit that was new that was learned. The Don McGahn stuff is very alarming. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, yeah. So one thing that this really highlights is just how effective Fox News is at parroting the talking points from Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, and ensuring that it really gets ingrained into people's heads what they should believe about certain things. Um, so that's really scary. If they had any integrity at all, they would do... There, There's a podcast network out there called Gimlet. Gimlet Media. They do uh, Reply All, and there's a whole bunch of good podcasts on their network. I, I'm a, a semi-regular listener to Reply All. And uh, during their advertising section... They play this kind of annoying, letting you know that it's advertising time during their advertisements, like a music, like this weird music that you know, oh, this is an ad break. They should do the same thing for all of their opinion, their opinion shows. Mm -hmm. They should be delineated. This is opinion. This isn't news. But they don't have any integrity. So they're, you know, they're not going to do that. Yeah, I What's also interesting about the Fox News Donald Trump relationship is that Donald Trump is president of the United States and from the Oval Office actively promoting Fox News as a channel on TV. Yeah, I said last episode that he referred to Fox News as we the the other last last week. Well, and he actually tweeted this yesterday. He said, quote, sorry to say, but at Fox and Friends is by far the best of the morning political shows on television. Uh, just a quick sorry side to note. Say. Just a quick side note from me, but um, it's not. And then uh, <laughs> it's also, he's not sorry to say. He continues. It rightfully has by far the highest ratings, not even close. Morning Psycho, parenthetically Joe, who helped get me elected in 2016 by having me on parenthetically free all the time, uh, has nosedived too angry. Ugh. Speaking of angry, ugh. and angry is capitalized for some right. reason. Well. So, Marcus, yeah, if you got some ideas, uh, we'd love to dive into that. Or by we, I mean Brittany and you. That would be a real, real good time. Mm-hmm. All right. No, uh, before we move on, though, there, there was another thing that Marcus mentioned at the top of his call that I want to address. First, there was some flagrant defamation of my character with regard to my feelings about Bill Barr a few episodes ago. I won't be responding to those comments, but you'll be hearing from my lawyer. Lo and behold, we actually 
actually did hear from Marcus's lawyer. Hello, I am Marcus's lawyer, and as Marcus's lawyer, even I must say that he has no claim against Jesse or Brittany and the remarks made on their show about Marcus's opinion on Attorney General Bill Barr. I have consulted with my client, Marcus, and this matter is now closed. Again, I am Marcus's lawyer. There you have it. I mean, I believe him. You, there's no refuting that. Yeah. He said multiple times, I am Marcus's lawyer. And that's really what it takes. It's fucking ironclad. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, Marcus, you can uh, you can take your idle threats, sir, and uh, cram them somewhere uncomfortable, let's say. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. On to the next issue. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Marge from Chicagoland. And I wanted to get in touch uh, because I just heard that the... Republican appointees to the Supreme Court will be voting to allow the citizenship question on the census. And I just wanted to say that I will be leaving that blank. And if there's room, I will be adding a note to say that it's none of their business. Thank you. I love the podcast. Bye. I'm, uh, I'm of this mind, too. And I've wondered if there's going to be like a like an organized, I don't want to say democratic, but, you know, like lefty liberal type of movement to not answer that question or or, you know, to to be, you know, in my language, a little dickish about it. And I think I'm going to do that. Like, I, I always avoid the census people because I don't <laughs> I don't want to be bothered during the day mm-hmm. or in the evening they even come around mm-hmm. but I'm uh, I'll for sure leave that out and leave a little note on there and say fuck off you're not entitled to that information mm-hmm. yeah I well it's unfortunate let's just say that um, the Trump administration is in charge when this is happening because yeah. the the census act requires the government to get a count a rough count of the population every 10 years yeah written right into the constitution and um basically donald trump's claim is that in order to do that right he needs to add this this citizenship question which hasn't been around since like the 50s back when during the era of like operation wetback during uh, eisenhower's administration when they, you know, races, they were just deporting bus, like a million and a half people or something. Something insane. Well, let's just say that's actually what it was called. That's not no, just yeah, you. No, yeah, that's not my colloquialism. That's, yeah. they call, that was its code name. Right. And. Yeah, Jesus, but make sure we yeah. let everybody know that. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it, it's strange that the Supreme Court is going to approve this because it, it does just seem unnecessary. Again, the, the Census Act is to get. A count. count of how many people are in the United States, not whether or not they're citizens. Yeah, and they've kind of expanded the census to ask questions like how many fucking toilets do you have? Uh, what is your education? Like all these things, these are metrics that they want to track, which I don't really have a problem with on its face. Mm-hmm. But technically, as far as the Constitution is concerned, they're just counting bodies. 
Yeah, but also it's not like the Trump administration cares about science. But of course not. Um, according to research, the suggestion is that adding a citizenship question is actually going to discourage undocumented immigrants from participating, and that this will then lead the government to systematically undercount them. And Trump's own administration estimates that adding the question will cause 6.5 million fewer American residents to respond. Yeah. Um, Which has to do with funding and and appropriations. It's this, by the way, everyone is kind of I mean, they rightfully are blaming Wilbur Ross, sleepy little Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary. But uh, this is for sure the machinations of Stephen Miller. Yeah. Also, I want to say the Census Bureau's chief scientist is saying that adding such a question, quote, is very costly, harms the quality of the census count and would use substantially less accurate citizenship status data than are available from administrative sources. Yeah, for sure. The The other aspect of this is from a cost standpoint is they're they're preparing both documents right now in 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 the. Uh, in the lead up to the to the Supreme Court decision. So it's for sure going to cost more money while we're while we're already running trillion dollar a year deficits. 900 billion dollars a year deficits. For those of you who are longtime listeners of the program, 900,000 million dollar deficits yearly, annually. That's insane. We can't afford basic Entitlement programs, according to the Trump administration and Mitch McConnell. And that's why we're running the deficits, even though it's the tax cuts. But we can fuck around and draw up two different documents for the census. Anyway. And then you have Donald Trump tweeting today, quote, the American people deserve to know who is in this country. Yesterday, the Supreme Court took up the census citizenship question, a really big deal. Make America great again. So again, Ugh. we all know what this is about. Right. It's about racism. It's about xenophobia. It's about fear. Like it always is. Anyway, Marge, thank you for the call. We appreciate it very much. Marcus, eh, you know, do better next time. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the phone number 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. The other thing I want to talk about before we get to the mid-roll and then uh, dollamocracy is this issue that has popped up in Philadelphia. I don't know if there's a ton of sports fans in the audience. I'm sure there is a smattering at least. But there, there is a the song um, "God Bless America" uh, sung by a, a lady named Kate Smith, the late Kate Smith, that has been banned or no longer being played by both the Yankees and Philadelphia sports uh, teams because she was from there. Anyway, I'll tell you what, I'll just play the clip and we'll talk about it after. Kate Smith's iconic rendition of "God Bless America" is now banned by two sports teams three decades after her death. The singer's statue in Florida, sorry, in Philadelphia, has been taken down after racist lyrics were discovered in two of her songs from the 1930s. Miguel Marquez is live in Philadelphia with the latest. So tell us about this, Miguel. Yeah, good morning to you. I want to show you sort of where we are right now. That's where the arena is for the Flyers. This is where the statue used to stand, only the base is left now. I will tell you that there are some racially charged lyrics in the story you're about to hear. Perhaps the most amazing thing about reporting this is it reminds us just how far, where this country was and how far it has to go on matters of race. Uh -huh. 
Her voice, a Philly and New York favorite. For decades, Kate Smith, a staple of Philadelphia Flyers games from the mid-70s on. And her rendition of God Bless America played at New York Yankees games since the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. For both teams, no more. I'm going to sing this next song for a lot of little colored children who are listening in at an orphanage in New York City. The recent rediscovery of overtly racist songs casting Smith in a new light. The 1933 Paramount Pictures film Hello Everybody features Smith singing Pickaninny Heaven. Little Pickaninny, listen to the tale of a place that I know. And in 1931, she recorded That's Why Darkies Were Born. The song, a top ten hit that year. Someone had a slave and be able to sing. That's why darkies were born. The Flyers, in a statement, said the songs include lyrics and sentiments that are incompatible with the values of our organization and evoke painful and unacceptable themes. After Smith's death in 1986, the Flyers installed a statue of her outside their arena. The team initially covered it, then unceremoniously removed it. They took the statue? We didn't know. Susie Andron, niece to Kate Smith and her husband, didn't know the statue was being removed till they were informed by a reporter in Philadelphia. She says her aunt was no racist and the Flyers should have considered the entirety of her life. What Aunt Catherine gave to that team freely, freely. She was, she was so proud that she was their mascot. In their statement, the flyer said, we cannot stand idle while material from another era gets in the way of who we are today. In 1982, Smith, a star of the early 20th century, was awarded the Medal of Freedom by President Reagan. Her 1939 rendition of God Bless America during Yankees games was also ended. The team saying in a statement, the Yankees take social, racial, and cultural insensitivities very seriously. And while no final conclusions have been made, we are erring on the side of sensitivity. So both of those team statements seem pretty solid. Um, and before we even get into this, what, what I view is just, it is abject racism. I'm going to play some of the song, the, the, this fucking hideous, that's why darkies were born song. And then we'll read the lyrics. But before I do is, you got, are you fucking kidding me with the 1930s and the music? Not even just the racism, just the, just how miserable of a time was it for music? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That voice? I, ugh, anyway, that's beside the point. Yeah, definitely a lesser concern. Yeah, I'm, but... I'm less concerned about yeah. the shitty music than mm-hmm. I am about the terrible racism. Right. But um, here is... I'm only going to play it as long as I can take it, because, again, it's goddamn ridiculous. Here is Kate Smith and her her song from 1931. Again, a top 10 hit. That's why darkies were born. Brother, 
as much as I can fucking take of that. But the, the lead up to the chorus there, where she says, accept your destiny, brothers, listen to me. Someone had to pick the cotton. Someone had to plant the corn. Someone had to slave and be able to sing. That's why darkies were born. This isn't another one of those cases like... Uh, like, baby, it's cold outside. Well, eh, you know, date rape was kind of a cool thing back in the 50s, and that's just what they did. This is fucking racism. Don't, you don't sing that song and not be a ra- racist. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this there's no other way to, to read. Look, somebody had to pick the cotton. Somebody had to plant the corn. Someone had to slave and be able to sing. That's why darkies were born. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So, look, I don't... This is one of those deals also where she's dead. It's not like the... the and this is even beyond... Like, I could play this whole fucking song and not worry about uh, copyright infringement because... Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever the, the rules are about playing music because this is longer than... seven. The, the copyright on this is, is long expired after the 70 years. But... Um, well, uh, you know, like R. Kelly, people still listen to R. Kelly's music or or Michael Jackson's. There's still kind of a debate happening right now. No one's listening to this song, but to, I don't give a fuck if they don't play this shit or her music in general. This is inarguably racism. Right. Who who does care that it's not being played? The her, oh, there's outrage. Just her family or well, the, that woman for sure, her her aunt or uh-huh. her, her, her niece. But uh, there's for sure. Oh, you know, this is tradition. We always play this God Bless America song since 9-11 with the Yankees. There there are people who are pissed off. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's not something that I really understand. I guess even with her family members, I don't really understand it, you know, Um, unless, you know, on her deathbed, she had some sort of realization that she had, you know, performed this disgusting song and 
said something about it, you know, um, but it doesn't seem like her niece is that it was her niece. I think that was her niece. Yeah. Was sharing some sort of story like that. She's just saying she wasn't racist. Okay. Well, we don't really have evidence for that position. What we do have evidence for it, yeah. is that she was exactly. And so they have like a statue to her. And I, I just don't understand why people care about this. You know, um, there were people Okay. At the same time that what's her name? Kate Smith. Kate Smith. That Kate Smith was alive who were not racist. Yeah. Did you know? That's right. People like to act like, well, everyone felt like this at the time. How was anyone supposed to know any better? Right. Well, guess what? People did know better. (laughs) That's exactly right. And that is a terrible argument. Uh (laughs) Well, we've had the same discussion maybe a year or so ago about slavery during the the formation of our country. Mm-hmm. But I don't know everybody was cool with slavery. Eh, but uh, no they weren't. Yeah. John Adams for one, Samuel Adams for another. Lots of people in the north were not okay. They knew it was a moral blight. Mm-hmm. Same with 1930s. Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. This is argue this this is saying the reason black people were born was to slave for the white man planting their crops, doing their manual labor, and being owned as property. That's the reason, their destiny, their purpose. Well, I also wonder what some of the motivation is here for people to get upset when someone like Kate Smith is now having her songs be removed from the playlist, her statue is going to be taken down, right? Her legacy is scarred. Yeah, well, okay. she's, but, she's, she's justifiably being remembered as a racist now. So, but what is the problem there? And what is, and what is the motivation? I'm wondering if it is something about people's own insecurity for when they die, what their legacy will be. Or are people going to talk about the negative things that they did hmm. and somehow try to tarnish their legacy? Like, I'm wondering what the personal motivation is behind people's defense here. Yeah, I don't know. Because... It's interesting. It's just, what what is your stake here? What's your stake in this? If <laughs> if you're out, I don't think in our audience, but, you know, there's probably a few. We, we know we have a few hate listeners. Um... If that's a concern of yours, why don't you just maybe live a better life to guarantee that you'll be remembered well, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there and trying to figure it out. But yeah, I, I'm uh, I don't give a fuck that they took her statue down. I don't care that her songs aren't getting played anymore. Yeah, it doesn't seem um, to matter. It seems actually positive yeah, that we it, are absolutely. rewarding people for bad behavior, even if they are dead. And it happened a while ago. We would love to know what you guys think, of course. 657-464-7609. Email voice memos to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We have one new Patreon supporter, Genevieve. Genevieve. And we have one Patreon supporter who increased his pledge. That is fantastic. Who Eric. is it? Eric. Thank you so much. Awesome. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to check your Patreon messages if you are in the 
Patreon tier to join the Hangouts. We do um, two video calls a month where you can join the video call and hang out with us. I think that's this weekend. It is this weekend, yes. The first one is going to be on Friday. That is this Friday, the 26th at 8 p.m. Pacific time. And on Saturday, the 27th at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Yes. So if you are in the tier for that, you will receive a message at that specified time. And it will have a link to join a Zoom call. That is a video call. And you just click on it, follow the directions, and you can join the call and chat with us. We always have a good time on these calls. It's just one of the perks that we have for Patreon. If you haven't, Checked out our Patreon page to see some of the other perks that we have. Head on over there and check it out. Also, relative to the special offer, we got some feedback. People, are, they, they think it's a great idea to offer kind of a, 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 a what do they call it? A limited time offer mm-hmm. for new patrons. We're going to start that pretty soon here once I get some stickers made. And they're, they're, they're fun stickers. They got uh, our dumb faces on them and a raccoon. And, you know, they're different than the logo. Mm-hmm. The logo uh, stickers. So, yeah. Good Good times. We appreciate all your guys' support very much. It is uh, a beautiful thing. Not forgotten. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So a few days ago, Bernie Sanders was on uh, one of those town hall deals that CNN loves to have. And he got an opportunity to answer the tax question a little bit more thoroughly and in not a Fox News uh, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It's like enemy territory where he has to bunker, hunker down in a, in a fucking fighting position. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, I wanted to talk about it a little bit more because he was able to give a little bit more uh, context. Senator Sanders, you recently released 10 years of your tax returns. I did. Let's talk about that topic. Uh, we'll start with Ellen Burstein. She's a freshman at Harvard and grew up in Massachusetts. What's your question for the senator? Senator Sanders, thank you for being here. Your tax returns recently revealed that you are, in fact, a millionaire. How would you respond to concerns that your financial status undermines your authority as someone who has railed against millionaires and billionaires? Okay, well, that's a good question. And here it is. All right, you ready to have me plead guilty? I plead guilty to have written a book which was an international bestseller, okay? And when you write a book that makes it to the top of the New York Times bestseller list, you make money, and I made money. I suspect that in a couple of years, my salary will go back to 173000 which is what a member of Congress gets. But I think your question should ask, well, now that you wrote a book, you made money, And and is that going to mean that you change your policies? Well, you're looking at somebody who not only voted against Trump's disastrous tax plan, 83% of the benefits going to the top 1%, but I have and will continue in this campaign to fight for progressive taxation. In other words, whether it is Bernie Sanders or your family or anybody else in America, when we have so much income and wealth inequality, when the people on top are doing phenomenally well. Yeah, if you are doing very, very well in our economy, you should be paying your fair share of taxes. We will raise those taxes for the upper-income people. We will do away with the tax loopholes and the tax breaks that large private corporations currently receive. Do you happen to know, anybody here happen to know how much Amazon paid in taxes last year? 
Zero. All right. Owned by the wealthiest guy in America. That is a absurd tax system, a regressive tax system. And if elected president, I will change that tax system. All right. Two quick follows. One. You said you expect your salary to go back down to 100 Unless I write another bestseller. I don't know. Or who makes more than that? What does the president of the United States make? You're right. What does he make? I don't know. 400. Okay. So you're saying that you're not going to win? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. All right. I just want to be clear. I just want to be clear. You know, all that I'm saying is I don't think anyone seriously believes that because I wrote a best-selling book and made money that I've changed my views, and you now hear me saying, gee, maybe we want to give tax breaks to millionaires. Well, there's a couple things here. One, I'm not going to nitpick everything, because it would be easy to do. He's talking on the fly. But I think it's a little a little shitty or disingenuous for him to try to assert that he doesn't know how much the, president, the president's salary is. That's basic civics, that it's 400000 I think. Mm-hmm certainly should be for a guy who's running for president of the United States. Well, when Chris Cuomo said that, I got really nervous because I couldn't think of the number. So I was like, oh, my God, yeah, but I you're can't. not running for president also. Yeah, although I will say that I think that these people aren't like, oh, I'm trying to get in there so I can get that 400. Well, no, but you know, <laughs> you should know. So you know how much Donald Trump makes. Yes, I understand. That he's claiming he's donating his money to a to to a department of the government. You should know how much that is that he's donating. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like I said, I'm not going to nitpick. Yeah. Other than me nitpicking right now. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing is, I don't know that her question is altogether fair because she said you've railed against millionaires and billionaires. I don't know that he's railing against them. He's just saying they need to pay their fair share of taxes. Yeah. That's not railing against them. It's like, hey, you guys have benefited from the system that's been set up. Mm-hmm. And you need to be chipping in yeah, better than you are, more than you are. And giant corporations like Amazon, sure as fuck, should be kicking in more than zero dollars yeah. last year. Yeah. Well, I was hoping her question would be better anyway, because I have been saying that people are not angry for Bernie, at Bernie Sanders for writing a book and making a bunch of money. And then apparently that's what her question was, that yeah. he wrote a book and made a bunch of money. And so now what? <laughs> like, I didn't actually believe that people thought that way um i thought the question was going to be about the charity the charitable giving which chris cuomo gave him a pass on too yeah and by the way i don't buy the excuse that oh we gave a bunch of money to charity we just didn't write it off on our taxes listen you're running for president you know you're going to run for president you want all of this documented you want your t's crossed and your i's dotted you don't want to leave it to us you're not being um you're not doing your due diligence relative to um, the messaging going forward, if you're just like, ah, laxy days ago, ah, we'll just give it and we're not going to we're not going to document it. I, yeah. I, I don't buy that. I don't believe it. I'm also wondering for people who are tax preparers or maybe have researched taxes, um, who tends to claim charitable giving? Is it rich people or is it people who don't make a lot of money? Because I know that when I have dropped off clothes at, um, at you know, the Salvation Army or whatever those places are. And they always say, oh, you know, here, wait for a tax. You just drive off. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't I don't need that. Why right. would I need that? You know, who who is it that's most likely to claim the charitable giving? It seems like it's rich people. Or people with more money who itemize. Yeah. Yeah. So 
that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to get that on the record. We talked out a little bit about his his taxes or his the, the situation that that kind of was a dust up last time. And he gave a little bit more fulsome answer. I, I I mean, I think it's a better answer. I'm still not convinced by it. Um but look, look, the likelihood is Bernie's going to be right in there uh, relative to to being a competitor for the nomination. So um Get used to Bernie Sanders if you're not such a Bernie Sanders fan. That would be my advice to the people who aren't, like, who are more mainstream Democrats. And this is the advice I'd have, like I had last time, for the Bernie Sanders diehards, the the people who are a little bit culty, I believe, about Bernie Sanders, is open yourself up. Again, we're kind of repeating ourselves here, or I'm repeating myself here. Um, Open yourself up to some missteps. Admit when there are missteps and just say, ah. Yeah, he kind of fucked that up, but it doesn't disqualify him. Because if we're start, if we're going to be in, well, I'm not going to, re- I'm not going to repeat it anyway. Listen to last episode if, you, <laughs> if you want to hear what I was just going to say. Mm-hmm. So the other thing is uh, again a Bernie Sanders thing that kind of really raised its head this week, and that was giving the right to vote, and whether or not it should be extended uh, to felons, to murderers, to terrorists, to people who are currently. In prison. There were real divisions oh, between sure. these candidates. One of them was on an issue which was a surprise to me, which was when Senator Bernie Sanders said he supported voting rights for people in prison, felons in prison, including the worst of the worst. So listen to what Senator Sanders said, and then listen to the different other positions that the candidates carved out for themselves. Watch. I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. People who are in, convicted in prison, like the Boston Marathon bomber, on death row, people who are convicted of sexual assault, they should be able to vote? I think we should have that conversation. While incarcerated? Yeah. No, I don't think so. So Bernie, yes. Kamala Harris, study it. Mm-hmm. Pete Buttigieg, no. Yeah, and one of the things you saw as a result of Kamala Harris's answer was basically Republicans come out and say, really, she wants to have a conversation about whether or not uh, the Boston Marathon bomber should be able to vote uh, in prison. Listen, the Democrats obviously want to have this discussion about voting rights. They're having it, for instance, in New Hampshire with voting uh, ID laws. There's been a discussion in Florida about uh, folks who get out of prison. That's something that that voters in Florida uh, voted to allow. And so there you have Bernie Sanders being Bernie Sanders, staking out a very far left position on this. Kamala Harris essentially saying, huh, she has to study it. Uh, And then Pete Buttigieg, I I think, really taking another firm uh, decision and probably a decision, I I think, an approach that most other Democrats will take, which is to say that, listen, they're in jail, they are uh, deprived of some rights while they're in jail, but when they get out of jail, uh, then they should have their voting rights restored. The the larger point is, I think Democrats are going to make voting rights a, a big deal today. Uh, the Supreme Court is hearing a case about whether the census can ask about citizenship. This sort of larger network of issues relating to the Republican Party's attempt not to count Democrats, whether it's not to allow them to vote through their absentee voting, early voting, felon voting. Most of those issues Democrats are united around. I do think that Bernie took a position that the others are uh, unlikely to take on actual serving prisoners voting. But on those other issues, I think you're going to see a lot of unanimity among the. And maybe that is the point that that just seeing right now who is willing to carve out a bold position that they've thought about, whereas some candidates are still saying, well, we'll see. We'll study it. He's principled 
it's a legitimate conversation to have, but he had to have known as he said that, that this is a series, for lack of a better description, of Willie Horton ads that are just ready to be made. You're going to And put, Chris said that to him. Chris, yeah, you know, Cuomo said it immediately. Yeah, are going to be on the screen or they're going to say, you know, this is someone that Bernie Sanders thinks should not sacrifice their right to vote. So I, first I want to say the Kamala Harris, the Kamala Harris, um, Kamala Harris, when she said we should have that conversation and they played this as though it was an answer. That's not an answer yeah. because <laughs> you were on stage in front of an audience. You're faced there with Don Lemon. You know, you have a conversation partner. You could have had the conversation right then That's and there. Right. You don't um, have to come to a decision, but you could have had the conversation. Right. Yeah. But but you instead chose not to answer. So I, I hope that as uh voters we can all come together and look at candidates and when they start trying to play these little games that we don't let them get away with it because that was a non-answer even on our side and, right. and that from kamala harris that for sure was one of those moments right and if she doesn't have an answer for it just honestly say that you know i haven't really had a lot of time to think about this you know i'm not going to answer that right now i have to evaluate some information for i mean sure. say something that's useful um because we understand right this hasn't really been a topic of conversation yeah you don't just rub your chin and go hmm that's interesting yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i i do want to say this is a difficult one for me uh because i have a parent who's a felon um, and he has been in prison since 2005. And not just a felon, he is currently serving right. in prison. Yeah, he's yeah. coming up on his 15th year, and he won't be up for parole for a few more years. Yeah, and you don't serve 15 years for writing bad checks. Yeah, and <laughs> so this, you know, he is a violent person that if you ask people who know him, um, even the people who are his family, uh, they will all tell you that that's where he should be. Yeah. And I it's it's just really personal for me because when you have known bad people in your life, violent people, um unstable people, people who have a lot of problems. Um it isn't just this distant thought experiment, you know. It is very close to you. Visceral. And especially when you have been the victim of violent crime. Um, it, it can be very personal. So this is difficult for me and I have my own bias, but like I try to do with everything else, I am trying to read and learn as much as I can and try to have an informed position. Now, one thing that does convince me, well, there's a few lines of argument that I think um, suggest that this actually is something that should happen. Um, Letting, prisoners having the right to vote. Yeah. Felons, violent criminals. Yeah. One is the racial disparities um, in policing and in sentencing, causing a um, disenfranchisement of black communities in particular, right? The black community in particular. So the black community being singled out here in terms of disenfranchisement. That is a pretty convincing argument, especially when you factor in drug crimes and nonviolent crimes that people of color are more likely to be sentenced to harsher sentences, probably more likely to be convicted of felonies in these cases. Um, you have they don't get the plea deals and shit. You know, you have yeah. Bloomingdale's serving up artisan weed and uh, there's people that are serving lengthy sentences have been convicted of felonies for dealing weed or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. Th these kinds of things are convincing 
um, and very fair in terms of making an argument in favor of prisoners voting. Additionally, I think that it would be hard to argue that you are against the death penalty, for example, because the government shouldn't have that much power to take your life and then support the government also taking away your right to vote. Um, but that's also complicated because they have taken your liberty in a sense. They've taken your freedom. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's just how much are we going to grant them in, in taking the liberty? Um, there are some states that do allow prisoners to vote, by the way. Like that is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is already. It's not a national rule in place. Voting is largely kind of a state by state run thing. Yeah, I think Maine and Vermont allow inmates to yeah. to vote. Probably why Bernie Sanders is so hip to it. Mm. I don't know how I stand about it. I know I've got some feelings a, a few different ways, and I don't. Uh... First of all, let me say this: I don't want to just go along to get along that you know we've been doing things this way for so long and that's just the way it is i don't want to ever be that guy i always want to be questioning yeah we're doing it that way now but is, is that the good way to do it is that the right way to do it is that the effective way to do it the other thing i'm guarded against and i haven't made up my mind about this at all is is this the democrats trying to just open up another viable voting block because it's largely we're looking at people that are going to be voting, voting Democrat. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's playing a role in my thinking as well. But I don't, and, I, and I'm not even going to talk about te- the terrorist thing, because that's automatically where people take it to the, the, the nth degree. Well, would you let Hitler vote? I mean, that's automatically where. I mean, how many fucking terrorists do we have in prison? We're not worried about the, the 10 votes. What I'm thinking about, though, is if you have taken away someone else's right to vote by murdering them, uh, I don't know. It's That's hard for me. If you sold some weed or you sold some heroin or you, you wrote some bad checks, yeah, let them vote. I think once they get out of prison, they've served their sentence. It would it seems, and I don't know, like I, I haven't made my mind up on this, but it seems like that would be... A reasonable thing to once they've served their time, then they can come out and vote, whether they're a felon or not. I've always thought it's a little weird that if you uh, hit and run or whatever, some something you did that that is a felony, but you know, it's something you can get over in life. I've always thought that's a little odd that you're never ever allowed to vote again, that you're never ever allowed to own a firearm again. Just because you're a felon. Because being a felon could be anything from something very minor, relatively speaking, up up into murder and, and mayhem and really harming people. So so I, I don't know where I stand. I, I think I could be convinced either way. But I am... I'm a little bit more recalcitrant about violent people. People who hurt other people especially if you've murdered someone and and taken away their right to vote you know by by taking their life so i don't know i'd like to throw it to the audience though yeah for sure um and i i do want to say like i said this has always been something i struggle with because of the family that i come from so um criminal justice type issues have always been things where i'm a little bit more um conservative probably 
uh, compared to my brethren, my lefty brethren. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been seeing some articles around about like abolishing prisons and things like that. Yeah, R- Ryan Bell shared that article this week. That's a guy we should get back in here. Yeah. Like, he shared that this week and I was kind of shaking my fucking head. Well, and I didn't read it. I just read the headline. So maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's like a joke article where that's the headline, but think, then it argues the opposite. <laughs> I don't think it's a joke article. Um, they were pretty into it. But every time I see something like that, I just, it's hard for me to let go of my own experience. And I often wonder, like, have people who are making that argument actually interacted with some really bad people? Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> um, because they exist. And I understand that it's not pretty to talk about and it it seems inhumane to have people be in prison for a long time, but uh, sometimes that's what has to happen in order for the society to be safe. Um, Now, is there a conversation that needs to be had about the vast population of people that are being imprisoned and how it keeps growing and growing and growing and we're just putting everyone in prison. Yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah, but that's a different conversation than not having prisons. Yeah. Well, and again, we didn't read the article, so it might not argue that. It may be making a nuanced point. So maybe we should read it before we talk about it. That sounds smart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we'd love to know what you think about this. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Got a couple other stories here, but I think I'm just going to call it. That's the end of the show. What do you think? All right. Yeah. I can, I talk about one more thing really quick. Of course. Okay. Uh, since I'm in a sharing mood, apparently I'm also really bothered. Elizabeth Warren released a fantastic policy proposal for student debt, student loans, and forgiving most student debt. This is another Ryan Bell post since he's getting a lot of play. By the way, you should go check out Ryan Bell's podcast since we're just saying his name. Life After God. Mm -hmm. Um, He he shared this and there was a lot of shitty hot takes uh, from people that I'm sure you'll get to. Uh, He shared what? What did he share? Talking about Elizabeth Warren and the the forgiving forgiving of the student loan debt Mm -hmm. and people saying, well, I paid all my student loan debt. You know, right. That's kind of the argument that is confusing me. These people who don't want student debt to be forgiven because they paid their student loans. Yeah. What? I mean, (laughs) this is just so strange to me. That is perfect. Brittany perplexed. I, I can't even imagine being this callous. Yeah. You know, I mean, what happened to their compassion, their empathy, What happened to these people that are making this argument? Um, Because you suffered. You want everyone else to suffer too. You know, usually people go through suffering and they come out feeling like, you know, I don't want other people to experience that. That was fucking terrible for me, right? Whatever the trauma may be, that was terrible. I don't want anyone to go through that, right? Well, it could be expanded out to lots of things like, oh, I was able to work through it and not have to go on public assistance, you know, whatever poverty situation I was in. Um, so no one else should. That's a conservative lo- out, out, outlook, you know? Yeah, and it, it, it's really disturbing to me. And again, I could make these arguments too, right? Yeah. I come from poverty. I have never been on welfare. As an adult. As an adult, right? Food yeah. stamps. Yeah. I have never been on food stamps as an adult. 
is that like what I deserve a prize or something? Right, right. No, right. like it could happen in a month if I lose my job and then I need food and you know, all of us are walking around in a very temporary state. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In an instant, we could get in a car accident. Our car is totaled. We're dead. You know, I'm sorry to be a bummer here at the end of the show, but I really think people should walk around with more awareness that they could lose what they have and then they will be needing to rely on the kindness of strangers. Yeah, nothing's secure. Nothing's guaranteed. No. And I, I just, I don't understand this impulse to say, well, I did it. So can you, we're all different, man, you know, congrats on your ability to pay off your student loans. Some people are struggling. They didn't know it would be this difficult. They can't find a certain job, whatever it might be. Don't be a dick. You know, I'm down. It's going to be way better for the economy. If these people, these, these millennials, these young people can start businesses can buy cars, can buy homes, can buy dinner, can buy can go dinner, out and fucking pour money into the goddamn economy and not be pouring it into banks right. that aren't redistributing that money. Right. Going on vacations, whatever it might be. Please, please try to be reasonable. See past your own dickholish behavior. <laughs> That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. Oh. And pay attention to Elizabeth Warren. All right. Yeah. You know what? That's a good point right there. Mm hmm. Is, releasing policy proposal after policy proposal. She's killing it. Mm-hmm. But killing Pete, it. But Pete Buttigieg spoke like Swedish one time. So <laughs> listen, and I really like really impressive stuff. I like Pete. Mm-hmm. I think he is woefully underqualified for the position being a mayor of a small fucking town. Yeah, I'm not shitting on him. I'm just trying to make a point that... for sure. I'm just trying to make a point that there is a woman in the race who is consistently releasing policies and having these great ideas. And it wasn't until the student loan thing that she really started getting attention. And every time Pete Buttigieg burps, there's a fucking headline about it in the Huffington Post. I agree with that. Because it is odd that, you know, he... It's like a fucking parlor trick that he speaks six languages. Unless he's going to be writing welfare policy in different languages, I don't give a fuck about how many languages he speaks. I don't care. Obama spoke one language. And he did a pretty good goddamn job. Mm-hmm. I don't, you don't need to speak a bunch of fucking languages. Okay, we get it. Awesome. You're a fucking nerd who is uh, dedicated and can sit down and do something and learn something. That 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 does say something to me. Mm-hmm. But you know what is more important to me and more important to 325 million Americans? Real policy that's going to change and impact the lives of people. And let me tell you right now, Elizabeth Warren is heads and shoulders above all of these other donkeys, including, including Bernie Sanders. That is a controversial statement, and you will be hearing from our listeners. (laughs) 657-464-7609. I encourage you to call in. You can also email voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to mix it up with you. That is what we do here. We are dedicated to moving the conversation forward, even having uncomfortable conversations where I flippantly call your candidate names, which is okay, because I'm just, it's all in love. Because all of these people would do a good goddamn job. You know what I mean? All right. We love you guys. We will see you next time. Please, if you're in a position to support the show, And also, by the way, supporting the YouTube channel, which I've been banging out some content lately. Yeah, you have. A real good time. Mm -hmm. 
You can do that through Patreon. Go to teamdollamore.com, like a team. Like not the Philadelphia Flyers, but the, the teamdollamore.com. That'll redirect you to Patreon. You can pick your tier, five bucks a month, seven, ten bucks a month, two bucks a month. Whatever, if you are actually in a position to do so, to give would be awesome. Every little bit goes a long way. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Marcus, eh, you know, do better next time. <laughs> <laughs>